Hello and welcome to Decoding the Journey, a podcast where you'll hear more about stories from the technology C-suite, straight from the mouths of CXOs who built these companies. AI and ML have moved to the forefront in today's enterprise software development, intersecting dozens of ecosystems. And as executive recruiters working with these software and technology companies, we're always curious to dig deeper into how C-suite leaders get to where they are today. I'm Jim Urquhart, Managing Director of FinTech here at Bowdoin Group. In this series, we will explore the stories behind these companies' leaders, and from their perspective, what's going on in the industry today. Welcome to another podcast episode of Decoding the Journey. Today, we're with uh, founder and CEO of Insurify, Snijina Zakaria. Welcome, Snijina. Nice to have you. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time with us today. Great to see you, Jim. Thank you for allowing me to be part of the podcast. Of course. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. So why don't we open up with a little bit of background? If you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and kind of professionally speaking, how you got to where you are today? So um, before starting Insurify, I did a second MBA at MIT, and I previously spent about seven and a half years with Gartner, their research technology company, where I was responsible for building um, three new lines of business. The biggest one was uh, Europe, Middle East, and South Africa, Operational Strategy Research Group for Supply Chain. Um, and the way I started Insurify is that I, I got into MIT with the idea that I wanted to start a business. And while at the um, university, I had a minor accident, which caused a spike in my insurance premium. And I ended up searching for quotes for over three and a half hours, which was so underwhelming and confusing that it motivated me to start researching um, the industry. And that's how Insurify was born. That's awesome. So can you talk a little bit about, um, so it sounds like that was, you know, largely your inspiration kind of going at MIT, both in terms of wanting to start a business and then also due to a, uh, you know, kind of a personal situation, it, you know, you saw the problem, you know, as kind of an end user. Was there other inspiration that drove you to kind of build the company? Yes. Um, so my husband is a CTO of Kayak, now the president, and he um, he has been very instrumental in the very early days of setting up the business model the, and leveraging a lot of the best practices from a process and technology perspective. So he was definitely a big inspiration of um, me feeling also more confident that together we can build that. Um, because a lot of the expertise um, that um, have helped Kaya become a $5 billion company um, have been very much um, helpful for building out Insurify. That's awesome. Well, by by way of contrast, you know, my wife is an entrepreneur, and and you know, she's she's gone out and done a great job spreading her wings. You know, almost despite me, I, I don't have the entrepreneurial bug uh, in terms of, but it's it's uh, I imagine for you and kind of having that that you know collective shared experience. That's great to be able to kind of you know draw from and and have as a good sounding board. So that's that's awesome. Yes, it's great to have somebody uh, smart at home. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, do, I certainly have someone way smarter than me at home. Uh, can, can you talk a bit more about um, Insurify to give, give the listeners some background on the business and, and where you all fit into the market? 
Yeah, so Insurify is an online virtual insurance agency. Um, what we are trying to solve is we want to demystify insurance as we know it, and we want to make insurance shopping simple and empowered by advanced recommendations and give the power to the end consumer to make the right decisions for themselves regarding insurance coverage and the right carriers for them. So what we did early on is that is we have built advanced recommendation engine that allows people to easily search, compare from the carriers that are best fit for them and also taking it to the next level that it's not just about price comparison, but also educating consumers on what the best um, the best reviewed carriers are and how much people like uh, being with those carriers for certain reasons. So the thesis behind Surify is that there is an inherent conflict of interest uh, that currently exists between the relationship of the customer with the carrier as well as the relationship of the customer with the agent. And we are trying to make this process much more transparent and also build the trust of the consumer um, that we are working on their behalf and that we have their best interest. Awesome. That's great background. And, you know, without Going into anything proprietary, can you talk a bit about how Insurify is doing right now? What are you seeing in the market? You know, what are you focused on for the for the balance of this year? So we have we live in a very very challenging and stressful times, and um, we have been extremely fortunate to be in a company where um, the COVID situation is actually helping us. And what I mean by that is that with more people staying at home, with unfortunately unemployment um, going up every month, um, more people realize that they have to do something about their expenses and they have more time to go to spend at home to actually see through what where they're spending their money. So saving from $500 to $1,000 on your insurance premiums is not a small number. And we've seen an enormous growth over the last few months with record months over the last three months, month over month, um, that has been, have been fueled because of the existing situation. And we are in a fortunate position to be helping people save money and, uh, being very much pro consumer. So, um, so the business is going great. We've hired a lot of people and we are hiring every week. Um, so, in a few months, um, we will have more people that have been hired remote that we've never met than we have had originally in the company. Um, but it's um, also a realization that as long as people are aligned on the common vision and the mission and really making the industry a better place for the end consumers, um, we can hire people from everywhere and uh, people feel very motivated to uh, to be part of the team and to be part of solving the mission, which has been very rewarding. That's awesome. Well, it's great to hear. I mean, it's and in particular, you know, to be obviously in, a, in an enviable position where your business is growing, but, you know, the nature of what you're, you're doing is helping people, right, and saving money and making things easier and, you know, to, to get a quote, to get coverage and to, you know, to hopefully, you know, save some money and keep that, you know, for, for other things that you also need. So I imagine that's kind of a, a nice win-win as a, you know, as a capitalist and a human, you know, to kind of appease both sides. 100%. That's awesome. I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit more about, um, it's, it's great to hear that you and the business are seeing so much success and continue to hire, but the companies are 
are uh, like yours are still growing, um, and the fact that you're you seem to be doing it efficiently and successfully in a period where it's just it's different and, and in a lot of ways more difficult for people to you know even just come to terms mentally with a process where you can't meet someone face to face and then you know assuming you do hire them, which is a big uh, if and a, and a big kind of uh, I think mental hurdle, then then onboarding them. Um, so I realize it's only been a few months, you know, relatively speaking. But can you talk a little bit about, I mean, did you have to make certain structural changes early to your process to, to con, you know, to want to continue hiring and to get comfortable with, you know, with doing it in, in this new way? And, and like, how did you, how did you do that? How did you embrace it? So we didn't do any changes. And I think that the reason for that is that uh, the business has always been 100% digital. So we did an overnight conversion uh, switch from an in-office to fully remote. Um, what we have seen, and we have always been very diligent with the way we do interview processes, and we, we have a lot of different levels that we go through, as well as take-home exams, in-person exams, um, multiple different uh, interviews with all the different stakeholders that are important to make the decision, which uh, has allowed us to hire um, amazing people. And we we do value um, personal drive, integrity, curiosity. So we are trying to find the people that are a good fit for our culture as um, individuals and as the way they approach different problems and they have relevant expertise as well. Now, have you found that that culture piece to be, because obviously that's tough to define, whether you meet someone in person or you don't, culture is just such a nebulous kind of, you know, it's, it's fuzzy around the edges and it's it's tough to, you know, unless people experience it, it's, it's, it can be difficult to articulate and to really, you know, you can't really measure it in a quantitative way. How do you, has that part been, been more challenging or how, like, how have you solved for kind of the culture piece and then you know, kind of onboarding people and getting people, you know, kind of indoctrinated into the company culture and, and you know, getting people ramped up and, and part of the team. So I think there are two issues with that. First, how do we know that the person we think we are hiring is the person that we are hiring? And I think that there, uh, you could never be 100% sure, but there are a lot of different interview processes that could help us through, guide us our decision-making through the process. What we are trying to hire for is people that are not just um, exceptionally smart and driven, but also have that sense of humility that um, and understanding that regardless of their background, they don't know it all and there will be a learning curve coming on in Surefy. Um, so that's how we've tried to sort of hire for the right people. I do think that as we continue to stay working from home, uh, keeping the cohesiveness of the team and also more the opportunity to learn about each other beyond our work environment when we cannot do any uh, or too much of socialization outside of Zoom meetings and Zoom Zoom parties or Zoom drink events, which we try to do on a weekly basis, uh, will become, um, might become a challenge and we have to, to have that mindset of being proactive with the way we work with our different teams and how we learn about the individual beyond the concept of, of work, because that's what creates great teams. And, um, and we are working on that. I don't think I have the answer, but we are just 
trying different things to make sure that we let people open up and sort of get to know us as well as we get to know them on a personal level beyond professional. Well, look, I think that's to your point. I mean, I don't think there's, there's no magic, you know, bullet or perfect solution there. I think that, you know, the, the intent to continue to make it important and to keep focusing on trying things and seeing what works and iterate and, and evolve as a business, I think is, is as good as any. And, and it just, you know, I think promotes uh, that kind of cohesive culture. And, and um, so I, I think that's great. And it sounds like, like you all are having a, a good time doing that and, and seeing some success. Um, I guess to the point about um, thinking about your teams today, your, your current employees, and as you continue to hire and, and bring people in, how are you promoting and focusing on diversity and inclusion? Great question. And um, being female-led and immigrant-led <laughs> has helped us um, naturally be very open in terms of diversity. Um, that said, we, during the last few months, we have actually created a diversity team for our company and we've had multiple different meetings to think through how can we be a little bit more open as to the types of universities we promote to, the types of people and where we post our different jobs so that we can be um, we can solve for, for the potential biases that we don't even realize that we might have. Um, in terms of diversity today, we have um, almost 50-50 female versus male employees, um, which is very exciting. Um, I think it definitely helps creating more innovative products as a result of it. We also have people that have been born or raised in across different countries or have traveled across many countries. So I would definitely, or different sort of orientations, which I think is very helpful in helping uh, create innovative products and innovative solutions. Um, but um, can we always be doing more? 100%, I agree that um, it has to be an intentional focus and um, it helps to start uh, on a good in a good way, like being a company that has already proven is very diverse, but it should be something that we always strive for. I love that. I think very well said. And um, it's nice to it's nice to hear that, you know, obviously it's very important to you and it's something that you continue to think about. And, and you know, I think a, a very important word there is intentional. And you're, you know, you're already seeing, I think, some of the fruits of that, right? And, and seeing what that can do for your organization. And it's got a lot of positive ripples. So that's, that's really wonderful to hear. I know you said from a hiring perspective that things have been largely the same, right? You don't want to kind of completely scrap what you've been doing and, and what you're focusing on just because we've had to approach the hiring process a little bit differently. But, but you know, not solely focused on hiring, but just in general, over the past, you know, kind of three to six months across your business, have there been any change? And, and I also go back to your point about being kind of a digital first company to begin with. So in a lot of ways, you were already kind of prepared for the way we're operating. Um, but are there any changes that you've had to make over the last few months, uh, just in general? And then, you know, to the extent that you have anything that you've been pleasantly surprised by or things that you may think about adopting long term as, as, as a part of the business? So in, initially, uh, in the first couple of weeks, we were like, okay, do we have to change the KPIs we are tracking or do we have to be a little bit more on top of different people that might be younger or earlier in the organization? And then we realized that 
Each one of our team leads has to set up their own ways of working together with their teams and then adjust accordingly. And there are certain members that have different preferences. Some of them might be a little bit more face-to-face, which is through Zoom meetings and others could be just with sending messages on Slack and discussing things through a more of a written communication. So we've um, kept that very open up to the way the different teams would like to communicate to get their results in the best possible way. What I have been very pleasantly surprised is that not only we haven't seen a drop in terms of productivity, but it has been the opposite effect. We've seen that getting people, mm. um, giving people the time to be more or less on their own through their computer all day long allows them to think clearer about the business directions, the business goals, as well as what we are trying to accomplish as a company and has brought up a lot of new ideas and a lot of um, opportunities in place and in some ways have made us more efficient because everybody's busy with their different initiatives, but at the same time, we continue to, to work very well cohesively as a team. How is that going to change if we, and when we continue working remotely for almost a year from now? Um, I hope we keep, keep doing what we are doing today, which is being aligned around our co- common vision, being aligned around um, uh, driving, building the absolute best product for the end consumer, and then also being very much aligned around growth and profitability because we have been um, in a very fortunate position to always be a step away from profitability and um, we've done amazingly well as a business. So I'm hopeful that, that that will continue to be the way we operate. That's fantastic. And are, you spoke earlier about the, you know, that I think a lot of companies are, well, a couple of really good points, one around productivity. And I think, you know, we, we've talked a lot about that internally at Bowdoin Group too. And I, I think, most companies in this broader kind of tech and services ecosystem are finding, you know, more so than ever that their efficiency is going up. And, you know, the, the, the remote aspect, I think, plays well to that. Uh, you know, on the flip side, the, the kind of engagement factor, um, you know, and, and frankly, the, the potential for employee burnout can be higher, right? I mean, you've got, there's no kind of clear lines in the sand when the day begins and when the day ends. And, you know, the life of a startup, an entrepreneur like yourself, I'm sure you're working around the clock, but it's just, it's a little bit different where, you know, in the morning you typically get up and do your morning routine and go to the office and then you'd have meetings and then you'd come back or maybe you'd leave early one day because you have a, you know, an event you have to get to, or there's a, you know, a, what have you, a, ch- a child event or a you know PTA meeting, you know, you name it, there's all these different factors that cause us to kind of, you know, con- we build our work day around. Now those lines are gone for the most part, right? You kind of get up and you, you have your, you know, your, your cup of coffee and you could stroll right into your, you know, your, your spare bedroom or your at home office or wherever you're working. And, you know, you, you could, you know, be subject to like what feels like an ongoing zoom call from early in the morning until way past Sunsets. Are, are you finding there's kind of a, a rationalization you have to think about with people around making sure that, you know, because it sounds like your team is working quite hard. They're aligned on the mission and vision and they're getting their job done. And then some, are you finding that you have to inject a level of balance there to make sure that people are, are not kind of working themselves too hard? 
So uh, I'm trying to to manage a team on sort of a more strategic level, but then everybody else has their own sort of style of managing their own teams. I think one thing that I'm concerned about is that people not are not taking vacation and I'm the one at fault too. Mm-hmm. So I, um, and it's very difficult when your schedules get booked weeks ahead <laughs> to sort of say, I'm going to take this right. week off and literally have the week off. I almost never have a pure vacation off, but, but I am concerned about the team not having vacation. Um, so um, that's one thing that we have to keep encouraging because I do think that there is a lot of value in sort of resetting and giving yourself time to relax and really enjoy the summer. And we have a short summer here, so <laughs> it's not like we're going to have it for another few months. Um, that's the that's the only thing. The other piece is that just being sensitive about not scheduling meetings around the clock like we still are respectful with um what our expected um timeline of working is and we do slack across um different times of the hour in the day and evening or weekends but we don't have the expectations to have um in-person meetings well that's great i think that's an important point around just setting boundaries and having the right set of expectations that you know while you're you're on, you're working hard, but it's not, you know, the, the, the expectations aren't different in terms of people, you know, increasing people's workload at the time that they're working as long as they're delivering and giving people some autonomy and frankly, you know, giving them a bit of a push to, you know, take it. I mean, you know, to your point about travel now and, and the, you know, the vacations we're used to, I think some of that is limited, of course, and, and people aren't taking as much time off as a result. But, you know, even if the trip to Disney World may not be, uh, you know, the right call, you could still take a couple of days off and just recharge and knowing from personal experience and from you know folks around our our, our office and, and our clients even a couple of days here and there I think can really matter in terms of you know refilling the tank so I think that's a I think those are great points on your side so with respect to you talked a bit earlier about it was you gave some background about insurify and, and kind of the the AI ml piece uh, obviously tough to miss the the kind of prevalence and continued kind of expansion and adoption of artificial intelligence and machine learning. Can can you talk a little bit more about how you think about AI ML and how you leverage it within the business? Absolutely. Um, so we have been in a very fortunate position very early on to build out a very robust platform that allows us to analyze um, every movement, every feature, uh, and then do ongoing um, iterations as well as experiments. So we can do over 200 experiments on the website to continuously improve the experience. What we um, also did very early on is build out the platform in a way that we can track everything and then by gathering the data, build out the machine learning algorithms to be able to improve either uh, the business on the customer acquisition side or on the online user experience and monetization side. So what I mean by that is that um, lar- big data and overall large data sets could be automated leveraging artificial intelligence by analyzing the different patterns and um, uh, connections that exist um, between the different large data sets and then estimate the value of um, uh, the whether it is the click you buy or the quote click that the user selects 
um, based on the historic data and some projections of what that data might change uh, over periods of time. So um, Insurify is leveraging artificial intelligence in across the value chain of our business, everywhere from customer acquisition to online user experience and the type of um, experiences we provide with users based on where they're coming from through the recommendations of carriers and what types of carriers are best fit for the customers. And then ultimately optimizing the carriers we present based on the probability of every carrier to convert on the platform. Because all things equal, we see some carriers that might be converting at two, three times um, the conversion rate of other carriers. So they're not all equal and they don't provide the same level of customer experience to our end consumers. So uh, these are some of the examples where we use um, machine learning. Well, it's great to get that level of, of kind of um, explanation and depth. So thank you for that. What, what about kind of competitive landscape and, and differentiation? I mean, it just, it feels like every company under the sun claims they're in the AI ML space now. And, you know, someone with your background could probably, you know, attest to or dispute the veracity of that, of that statement from company to company. And I just, I imagine that makes it tougher to differentiate whether you're talking about a growing class of, of startups who are trying to attack the same or similar problems and, you know, whose AI is better than, than the other. And then you've got obviously a big crop of, or a crop of, you know, very large technology and internet companies that have, you know, capital that have massive data sets and scale. And uh, that can be kind of, I'm sure, rankling and confusing in the market too. So I know there's a lot there, but I guess just taking away from that, the competitive landscape and, and how do you kind of filter out the noise and how do you kind of stay focused on, on your mission and, and continue to differentiate in the market? This is a great question. And I think my response to that is, machine learning or generally AI and innovation and technology um, is meaningless if it's not solving a real problem. So a lot of people come up with ideas or new machine learning algorithms or new ways of sensing different types of behavior and data. Um, That looks great as a concept, but they have no applicable, no no useful applications to those models. So innovation for the sake of innovation without the actual application and without the making actual revenue through that application is in my opinion, meaningless. Um, There's the other piece with machine learning and um, what you mentioned about um, sort of understanding what is noise and what is reality and it is very difficult for early stage startup to claim machine learning if they don't have either third party data that they can automate from or they have mm-hmm. massive amounts of their own data. And one of the issues in the industry is how do these super innovative machine learning companies um, be able to leverage the data from their carrier partners or carrier um, competitors in some case to be able to really get their business to the next level. Because the carriers are the ones that have enormous amount of data, often might not be using it to their best um, ways in terms of automation, pattern recognition, and and um, innovation. And the, the younger stage companies are the ones that could make a good use of it, but but sometimes are not because they lack the data. 
Right. Well, challenges on both sides, and, and uh, I think very, very well said. I mean, and I completely agree with you. We, we've at, at Bowdoin Group, we work with a lot of different companies that are kind of some way, shape, or form connected into the you know AI ML space. You go back a handful of years, and you know, kind of in the, the early waves of, of you know big data, and, and you know now and then there was a lot of these kind of somewhat vague. You know, we're a big data company. We're an AI ML company. It's almost like a you know a, a solution looking for a problem. Right and uh, or a mousetrap looking for mice, and you know, versus the 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 other end of it is being very specific about what problem you're trying to solve. And yes, we're going to leverage AI ML or some sort of big data analytics platform to get to a, a better, faster outcome for our customers. But absent that, it's it's really tough to latch on. I think you've got to get very specific for, and then almost earn the right to kind of broaden, you know, broaden your wings and your approach to the market. So I, I agree with you. Your exactly. And, and, and the, the ultimate goal shouldn't be what is the best model I can build? It should be what is the problem I'm solving? And then may I apply some advanced model to be able to make that solution more powerful or really tro- solve the problem in a better way? Right. And that's a very well said, great point. Um, one of the things, so you mentioned earlier about, I think it was relative to your your your, your Kind of team building and hiring philosophies. You talked a bit about uh, about bias. What about bias in AI? I mean, how do you how do you think about that in terms of like from an internal perspective and how you're kind of building, you know, uh, and, and leveraging your technology, but also you know, uh, on behalf of your your customers and, and and partners. Great question. So we've had conversations where we'll test very different models, and sometimes we'll find out that a simplified model would make may do a better in terms of outcomes and monetization and profitability than a more advanced model. So we are not married to the complex solution for the sake of, oh, this is an absolute brilliant Mm. machine learning algorithm that we have to use. We are testing a lot of different models all the time. And often a simplified solution might be the weaning way to run a specific um, problem compared to a more uh, more advanced solution. No, I think that uh, I think that's right. I mean, you know, not assuming that you know exactly what you're you're looking for and 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 having the um, you know, and being intentional about testing a variety of different I mean, I think that, that you know, the the more you're, you know, not coming to uh, the the table saying we've got the solution versus like being as comprehensive as you can in terms of testing out different ways and means to get to the answer, I think that's, you know, more and more you're going to be promoting um, the the elimination of, of bias and trying to rule that because just inherently it's going to be there. And how do you, you know, how do you make sure that it's not going to influence the decision such that it compromises the integrity of what you're trying to do as a business, but then also impacts your, you know, your customers and your partners. So that that's great. You know, I guess shifting back to, to you as an individual, you know, you talked a little bit about your kind of inspiration initially to, uh, you know, kind of build a business and, and, and you know, kind of what, what got you onto the track with, with Insurify, I guess, you know, how, how did you catch the, uh, the technology bug uh, to begin with? And I guess what, what keeps you motivated? What, what, what keeps you locked in on being an entrepreneur in the technology space? So I was fortunate to work um, for um, international companies and software companies very early on while I was still in university in Bulgaria back in the days. Um, so, uh, it, it always fascinated me, um, 
how how much and this was during the the dot com so it was what was happening at that time was absolutely uh, fascinating um so i think that i always had a bias towards uh fast moving um companies and and very agile teams um what keeps me motivated is um a couple of things um number one we are solving a real problem and and the opportunity is so massive not just in the united states but also worldwide that mm-hmm. it could be a business it could be a business that is helping millions of people every day um protect their families and save money on the other hand the ability to be able to bring and build a team that is cohesive aligned and works great together um is a uh, amazing motivation just and and the impact that each one of the team members are is making with their own contribution and the new ideas that they're bringing um is a great motivation factor for me as well that's awesome i i think uh those certainly sound like very motivating very motivating elements i guess knowing what you know now you know as a professional as a business leader you know, kind of where you sit today uh you know if you were to go back in time to the beginning of the journey you know any anything you would you would tell your 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 kind of you know what your future self would tell your old self at that point anything you would kind of change uh knowing what you know now um so two things probably the first one is i wish i had joined uh when i moved to the united states that i had joined another early stage company and kept working within um the sort of the internet a startup space versus joining a large consulting technology company. I think mm-hmm. that's the number one even though my learnings there were amazing and um and I I find it a great um that I had a great experience. The second one is um I will just tell myself to be a little bit more patient and um just keep at it and keep going but I know that there will be an ups and downs and um be realistic that the journey is not going to be all better roses <laughs> and mm-hmm. there are certain um and and that that you have to enjoy it and then the final one is enjoy the small wins because the destination is very far and we do have great ambitions for the company but we have to appreciate the small wins um I think that's very sage advice and you know patience is a virtue as they say but I you know I have to imagine that there's a level of impatience you need to be a good you know entrepreneur I mean you 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 know early on we're like hey this took me several hours to kind of sift through all of this nonsense to find the right quote and find the right you know solution for me and you know you probably said enough's enough let me let me try to solve that problem right so I think you know being too patient you know you probably just let it slip by and 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 not do it so I, i'm sure there's got to be some level of a balance yeah so let's let's end on a personal note i think our 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 listeners would love to you know as they've heard about you as a as a professional they've heard about your business they've heard about your market views this is this is all really great uh great stuff here talk a little bit about or if you can share with us maybe an interesting or lesser known or you know kind of a fun fact about you So I have two kids, uh 11 and 13 year old um which I love to the moon and back. <laughs> and I love skiing and sometimes I do um competitions, ski competitions. Okay. Which has been a new passion 
of mine um, since we had the kids. Interesting. Okay, so that's that's a um, okay. So your your risk taking has gone up. Uh, you know, you've you've been on <laughs> with the kids. With the kids, it's interesting. It's usually the, the ratio usually <laughs> levels off. Now, are we talking like kind of slalom? Are we talking mogul? Like what what, what type of what, what type of racing? Yes, slalom and giant slalom. Wow. Okay, so... Uh, but again, I'm amateur. I'm not pretending to be in any way professional. Uh, but it's something that I got to appreciate through the kids and their experience ski racing. Oh, interesting. So, so and did, did you get them on the, uh, on the racing circuit early? Yes, yes. They started um, on the loon race team. So we got there in the winter. And it has been a great part of our winters. All right. Well, so, so picking up some, uh, you know, some of the... Some of the buzz from the kids in terms of getting them on the skis and that motivated you. So clearly going back to the beginning and, and you know, what kind of motivated you initially and, and uh, you know, your, your husband's background, too. It seems like you're, you're very connected to your family and on the professional and personal side that's uh, that served you quite well. Yes, I am very fortunate. Awesome. Well, that's uh, that's a great way to wrap up. Uh, I love that. Um, and uh, again, we've been talking to Stangina Zakaria, who's the founder and CEO of Insurify. So, again, thank you. We know you're super busy. This was great, um, and we appreciate you uh, you joining us. Thank you so much, Jim. Nice to be with you. Awesome. Well, that's great. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Decoding the Journey here with the Bowden Group. Don't forget to subscribe to and like our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you stream. And subscribe to our blog at bowdengroup.com for the latest episodes when they drop.